Hello, HDBB. So good to see you. I've been here for a week, and we spent some time with Miles and Sarah and Abel and Jacinta and some of the team here. And I've been blown away by what God has done, what God is doing, and really what he's going to be doing. I got to meet some of the volunteers who help, I guess, put on this service. And again, as I was praying with them this morning, just so inspired by their passion and authenticity. Could we just put our hands together and just thank all the volunteers? So encouraged. And next Sunday, you start Vision Sunday. Now, I love vision, but here's the thing about vision. Vision should scare us a little bit. In fact, I heard someone say, if the vision is not intimidating to us, it's insulting to God. Now, what they're saying is that the vision should be out of our capacity. It's not something we can do with our own skills or ability or talent. There needs to be margin for the miraculous. There needs to be this space for God's supernatural power to step in and do what only he can do. So next week, when the vision is shared, and you might sit there going, I'm not sure about that. That's a little bit scary. That's a good thing. Because you know you're not going into the future thinking that you can do it in what God has given, given you to do. But he's actually going to do something brand new. So to prepare you for Vision Sunday, I want to share a message with you today called Why do, How Do You Face Your Fear? <laughs> how do you face your fear? Because I work for Alpha. Everything we do is through questions. And maybe you've never thought about that question. How do you face your fear? I remember last week you had John Wentz speaking. I love John. He's such an authentic, passionate man. But I don't know if you remember, he spoke about fruit. Now, for those of you who are new here today, fruit is the visible evidence of God at work in your life. So when I say the word fruit, I'm not talking about physical fruit. I'm talking about spiritual fruit. But it is spiritual fruit that will change society. It is spiritual fruit that will change a nation. In Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, those things will change the world for good. In fact, if you walk into your meetings on Monday and you are showing love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, people will be drawn to you because the fruit, the essence of Jesus in your life is attractive. But what John was saying is that for many of us, we try and look the part and sound the part and be good Christians, and we're more like plastic fruit. The thing about plastic fruit is that it doesn't taste nice, and there's no seeds in it for multiplicity. And I really believe today that God wants to continue on what he did last week. You see, facing your fear, becoming confident and courageous, bold and brave, is actually a visible evidence that God is at work in your life. But for too many of us Christians, me included, when it comes to this area of facing our fear, we're like fake fruit rather than real fruit. We try and look bold. We try and look brave. We try and be confident and courageous for the people that we're leading and loving, for our kids. But the truth is, is that God's not saying, here's seven steps to successfully overcome fear. Just try and be fearless. Now what he's saying is today, by the power of my Holy Spirit, I believe that when we surrender to him and give him our fears, he will make us fearless. I believe some of you in this room today, you're going to walk out of this room bold and brave, courageous and confident. 
and has nothing to do with you trying to do anything but simply spending time in the presence of our Father. For how do we face our fears? By simply facing Jesus Christ. Have a look at this video. I made that video myself. Thank you, thank you. I went onto YouTube, ripped the videos, put it into iMovie, and there you go. In that video, there's many different people. Some of them fearful, and some of them fear less. In fact, at the end there, there was a lion trying to eat a little child, and the child's just smiling at the lion. Simba, Simba. Why doesn't the, li why doesn't the child fear the lion? Because the child has not yet learned to fear the lion. You see, fear is a learned trait. We learn it from our parents, we learn it from our role models, and we learn it from our bad experiences. So if fear is a learned trait, maybe we can unlearn it. Nelson Mandela's courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers his fear. What Nelson Mandela is saying is that we will always have fear. Fear is part of life, but you don't need to live with it and carry it around with you we can actually overcome it. So to help us today, we're gonna to look at how Jesus spent time with his disciples to help them unlearn fear. If you have your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter eight, verses 23, and it says this. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Why do you fear? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Heavenly Father, do something significant and supernatural today. May we walk out this place looking more like you, Jesus, confident and courageous, bold and brave. Today, will you do something which only you can do? Amen. So let's get into it. I want to ask you another question. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? Jesus said to his disciples, come get into the boat and follow me. And they went to the other side of the lake. Who you follow determines what you fear. Who you follow determines what you fear. If you follow someone who is fearful, you will be full of fear. But if you follow someone who is fearless, you will fear less. I want to ask you today, who are you following? Every day we get on our social media and we follow, unfollow, follow, unfollow, follow, unfollow. But have we ever stopped to consider the fact that fears are contagious and who we are following is actually very important? 
Truth is, if you're following celebrities, you will have fear. If you're following music stars or sports stars, you will have fear. If you're following your friends or your family, you will have fear. If you're following your parents or your pastor or any preacher, you will have fear. This is what I've realized. Follow anyone other than Jesus Christ and you will have fear. But follow him and you'll see that you'll become fearless because he is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. He is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. And he is omnipresent, which means he is present everywhere. Which means today, in this very service, he can meet you right where you are and help you with you facing your fear. And he can help you right up the back there, help you with your fear. And you over here, he can help you with your fear. Who are you following today? The trouble is, is that fears are contagious. And what happens is we fear because everyone else fears. Fearing is just normal. Worry and anxiety is just normal. And so we fear because everybody else does. I remember when I was 18 years old, there was a trend that came into fashion. It's called skinny jeans. I was having a cup of English breakfast tea, waiting for my friend to arrive. And as he walked in, he was wearing a pair of these jeans. I looked up, spilt my tea. No, 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 no. They were like spray on jeans. I, I, I did not feel comfortable. I said, what are those? He said, they're skinny jeans. They're all the fashion. Well, I said, I will never, ever, 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 ever wear skinny jeans. Six months goes past and all my friends are wearing skinny jeans. A year goes past and skinny jeans are everywhere. In the magazines, the TV screens, they're in the shop windows. One day I'm walking past the shop window and I thought, I'll just try a pair on. <laughs> I walk in and I try some on and I look in the mirror and I thought, yeah, <laughs> skinny jeans. From that day on, skinny jeans became part of my day-to-day -day life. In fact, for a decade, they were part of my life. And I tell you that because in the same way I became accustomed to the culture, skinny jeans became part of my life, it is the same with fear today. Because everybody fears, we fear as well because that is the normal. Now you've got to hear me, when it comes to your fear, worry and anxiety, God is not there, disappointed in you. He wants to be with you in that moment and walk with you in that moment. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green meadows. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down the path of righteousness for his namesake. Verse 5, even though I walk through the dark valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, surely, your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness and mercy will follow you. But we've got to remember that we are following him. And he's not taking us to the dark valley. He's taking us through the dark valley. And I want to ask you the question. Who are you following today? Who is number one of your life? Who is the king of kings? Who is the Lord of lords of your life? Because if it's not Jesus, you will have fear. But if it is him, today you can give him your fear. The second thing I want to ask you is, what are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? In the passage, the waves start hitting the boat and the disciples are full of fear. We know this because they go running up and down and they get Jesus and they shake him. And they say, Jesus, teacher, wake up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? 
They're not even in the water yet, but they're assuming the worst. This is how we know they've given way to fear, because they're starting to imagine the worst outcome. And so often we do this, don't we? There's an argument, and we think maybe this is going to end in divorce. We find a lump, and we think maybe this is cancer. We fail the exam, and we think we're never going to have a good career. We don't get the job that we wanted, and we think there's no progression in our life. We get dumped by our boyfriend and girlfriend, and we think we're just going to be watching videos of cats for the rest of our life, <laughs> all day long, videos of cats. But here's the thing. The only way the boat was going under is if the situation on the outside got in on the inside. And the only way fear can take you under is if you allow your situation on the outside to get in on the inside. See, what you give attention to, you give authority to. The key that I apply to my life regularly is this. Shift your focus and you'll shift your fear. Shift your focus and you'll shift your fear. Don't focus on the size of the waves, of the storm, of the situation, but focus on the one who can rescue you in the middle of it. Shift your focus and you'll shift your fear. A great example of this is in 1 Samuel 16. It's a famous story of David and Goliath. Now, just to bring some context, there's two armies. There's the Philistines and the Israelites. And the Philistines have a giant called Goliath. Goliath is from Gath. Gath is a place that breeds giants. So Goliath's mum and dad, giants. Grandparents, giants. Great-grandparents, Yep, you got it. And from generation to generation, they've caused fear amongst the land. So when he stands there in front of the Israelites, the Israelites are paralyzed by fear. But they do have a king. They do have a leader who they are following. His name is Saul. Now the Bible says that Saul is tall. But even though he has the height, he doesn't have the heart. And he is full of fear. And because he is full of fear, they are full of fear. And the whole of God's people are paralyzed by fear. Until one young youth turns up. The Bible describes his physical features. says his hair is ruddy, rustic, which means David had ginger hair. And we also know that David was good with a slingshot. So at the end of the day, a ginger ninja turned up to the battlefield. <laughs> which is funny in London. I don't know how it goes down here. But when he got there, he was in shock that everybody was full of fear. You see, David was not following Saul, and he was not focused on the giant. He was following his heavenly father, and he was focused on the power of his God. So he said, well, if you won't go, I will go. He looked at Goliath and he said, you come at me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And with that, he took out his slingshot, fired it at his head, knocked him out, and he fell to the floor. David went over, pulled out his sword, and cut off his head. And from that day on, David never failed to get a girlfriend. <laughs> the girls love David. <laughs> but I tell you this story because if you flick over a few pages, you get to 2 Samuel 21. And David has got some mighty men. It's like Avengers assemble. And they are going out slaying. They're chopping down giants, Thanos height. They even defeat Goliath's brother. Isn't this crazy? That there's a whole army paralyzed by fear because of one giant. Until one person who was following God and focused on his power went where they feared to go. And because of that, he created a new normal. Because of that, he changed the game. Now slaying giants is normal. From generation to generation, they feared giants from Gath, but now they don't. 
I want to put it to you that today's not even about you. It's about your friends and your family, the people who are looking to you. It's about your kids and your kids' kids. When the vision gets shared next week, it's never about how to make church more comfortable, how to make this thing more luxurious. No, the vision is about how do we see this city and this nation and this region experience the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You might think that you just have a small part to play. Let me tell you that that small part to play is a huge thing in, the, in what God is doing right here in this church. I hope that every single person in this room identifies with David, knowing that it was not about David's skill or ability or talent, but it's about who he was following and what he was focusing on, which enabled him to go where other people feared to go. I want to ask you one more question, which is where is your faith? Where is your faith? Jesus woke up from his sleep, stretched his arms. Yohanna said, are you serious? Like, you know, you know who I am. You know what I've done. We've talked about this. We've seen the miracles. Why are you so afraid? Why do you fear? Do you not have faith? Faith is not believing at the end of the storm. Faith is believing in the middle of it. Jesus never wants to be our last resort. He wants to be our first and only hope. So my question is today, where is your faith? So often we put our faith in many different things. And I'll put my hand up as well. Sometimes our faith is in our job and our career. Sometimes our faith is in our reputation. Sometimes our faith is in our finances. Sometimes our faith is in our parents, pastor, or political leaders. We put our faith in so many things. I mean, today you put your faith in the chair that you're sitting on so that it holds you up throughout this service. We put our faith in many different things. But I want to ask you today, is your faith in Jesus? For who is he? He is love. He did not create love. He did not form love. He is love. 1 John 4 verses 18 says, perfect love casts out all fear. It doesn't say some, some fears, it doesn't say occasional fears, but perfect love casts out all fear. See, for many of you, you might have experienced human love. Human love will come and go. Human love will start and stop. Human love is based on so many things, like behavior and performance and feelings. But his love remains the same. From the day he created you for the rest of your days, whether you love him back or not. And maybe you're here today because a friend invited you and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Well, today, if you want to, you can. Knowing that the whole time since you were created, all he's ever wanted to do is put a relation, want to have a relationship with you. I don't know if you've seen recently on the news, there's what's called a revival happening in Asbury, Kentucky in America. I was chatting to Miles about this and this move of God that we're seeing, this outpouring, has actually been happening across Asia and Africa for a long time. It's not unusual to have long prayer meetings where people just wait on God for hours and hours on end. But it's rare in the West. That's why everybody's talking about it. That's why everybody's celebrating it. It's led by Gen Z, young people. It's not about celebrity Christians. It's not about any preacher or worship leader. Young people are just hungry for God and God is doing something. Do you know there was a revival in 1904 in Wales? And during that revival, which happened in a small country in the United Kingdom, 100,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. Alcoholics were set free. People's marriages were restored. And back then, a lot of people worked in the mines, which was one of the worst jobs you can think of. It is reported that the miners went down underground with a smile on their face because they knew that their purpose was not their career, it was their calling, and they could tell, Jesus, tell people about the love of Jesus, even in the mines. 
that revival totally transformed a nation. There's a guy called Evan Roberts, which people would say, he is the guy who led the revival. But actually, if you do some research, you'll find that it actually started in a youth meeting. About 20 young people. And the youth leader said, is there anybody who wants to share about their faith? A young girl called Florence Evans, very timid and shy, felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to share. She walked up and she, in front of everyone, she said, I just want to tell you that I love Jesus Christ with my whole heart. The moment she said that, the Holy Spirit fell in the place. People started to encounter this love and this joy and this peace. People started to get on their knees and pray for their friends and their family and their nation. From there, it went out. It spread. People encountering God's love. People were getting healed and set free. And then from there, people kept coming back. Coming in, going out, coming in, going out, coming in, going out. And the move of God started. I'm saying this because all it took was just someone to have faith over fear. To be obedient to the Holy Spirit. To stand up in front of somebody else and say, I love Jesus with my whole heart. That was the one step for Florence Evans. And I want to ask you today, what's your one step when it comes to living out your faith with Jesus Christ? Sometimes just taking one step out of your comfort zone leads you in a place where you are uncomfortable, where you are full of fear. But that is a place where God steps in and he does what only he can do. So let's pray for some fears today. Has anyone got the fear of sharks? Give me a wave. Anyone got a fear of snakes? Anyone got a fear of spiders? Anyone got a fear of clowns? We're not going to pray for those fears today. Because those fears are phobias and they are survival instincts which make sure you don't die. Because sharks, they can kill you. Snakes, they can kill you. Spiders, they can kill you. And clowns, they can kill you. So we're not going to pray for those today. But I do want to look at a couple of other social fears which, social fears which plague us today. And one of them is the fear of the future. And the, just before we get on to loneliness, I just want to mention this one, fear of the future. And maybe some of you guys might have the fear of the future. It's when you look to the future and it scares you. And a lot of the time we fear the future because of what's happened in the past. And some of you, you might have tried to step out and it hasn't gone well for you. And now that past is chaining you and stopping you from stepping forward into the future. We know I've looked at every single car over the, the long bits of traffic that I've seen here in KL. And every car has the same thing. They have a small rear view mirror and a really big windshield. Because you've got to be looking most of the time at where you're going and not where you've just been. And for some of you, you fear the future. But what you need to know is as long as you know who holds the future, you don't need to fear the future. The next one is the fear of loneliness. And maybe there are some of you in this room today and you have the fear of loneliness. And you think, if only I lived here, if only I was in that relationship, if only I had that job, then, then I would not be lonely. But here's the thing. Loneliness is not an external problem. It's an internal situation. And today I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you and meet you where you're at so that you know, no matter where you are, no matter where you go, no matter what happens, you will never ever walk alone. No matter what happens, that he is always with you. The next one is the fear of ridicule. The fear of ridicule is where people say things about you. And for some of you, you might not want to share your faith because you're worried people are going to say some negative, harmful things to you. 
In fact, growing up in London, one of the things that people would say is, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words, words will never hurt you. That's a lie. <laughs> sticks and stones will break your bones, but words, words will cut you deep. Words can scar you for life. And maybe there's some people in the room and you have been labeled. You've had some words spoken on you, which have caused you to live in fear, worry, have sleepless nights and struggle with anxiety. Here's the thing. The only person who can label something is the creator. If you have medicine, we need labels on medicine, but the only person who can put the label on the medicine is the creator. All the cars that you have in KL, they have labels on the back. The only person who can put that label on the car is the creator. HTBB, I hope you know today that the only person who can label you is your creator, your heavenly father who loves you so much and maybe people have tried to put labels on you over your life and it's time today for you to take those labels off and say, no, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by my father and I'm going to walk in that identity and those words. Rather than what the crowd says about me, I'm listening to what Christ says about me. The next one is the fear of rejection. And I'd love to say that there's a way to skip this fear. There's a way to bypass this fear because rejection hurts. But the truth is, we will always be rejected at some point of our life. You go for the job, there might be rejection. Go for the promotion, there might be rejection. You might uh, ask that special someone out, there may be rejection. There is actually going to be rejection throughout our life. But we don't need to fear rejection. See, I love this generation that's coming through, but I see fear of rejection in their lives. I see them post on social media, and then five minutes later... Do you like me? Do you like me? 10 minutes later, do you like me? Do you like me? 15 minutes later, not enough likes, so delete the photo. We delete the photo because we did not get the affirmation or appreciation that we were hoping for. But my heart breaks for this generation, and I want to encourage us all, HDB, to be able to demonstrate and show this generation that they don't need to live for the likes of man because we receive the love from the one who created man, our loving Heavenly Father, Romans 5 verses 8 says, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, which means he knows everything we've ever said, thought, or done, and yet he still loves us with all of our mess, baggage, and issues. So we don't need to live for the fear of rejection because we know we've been accepted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The next one is the fear of death. Fear of death. Have I got that one? Okay, well, let me just, before I jump onto this one, fear of death. And maybe some of you have the fear of death. And if you haven't encountered Jesus Christ, that's normal to have the fear of death. But for us as Christians, Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain. No matter what happens, we win. We're spending eternity in heaven. And so if you've ever wondered why it's a celebration in here, you ever see people clapping and dancing around in church? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time for quiet and silence and contemplative prayer, but there's also a lot of time for celebration. It's because what Jesus Christ, on the, Jesus Christ did on the cross, he died, he rose, and then because of that relationship we have, have with him, it never ended with a funeral. It started with a party and a celebration. And today, we know that even after our time here on earth, we're spending the rest of our life with him. So no one needs to fear death today. But the final one is the fear of failure. And this is the final one, because this came as the biggest social fear plaguing humanity, more than fear of death. I would have thought people would fear death more, but no, they fear failure more. 
And maybe you're someone who fears failure. Maybe you tried, you had a go, and now you've failed. Well, here's the thing. Just because you failed doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that you had a go. And I want to encourage you to get up and have another go. I've got to be honest with you, I failed really badly about five years ago. I was speaking just like this in a church in Copenhagen in Denmark. And I was quite passionate in my, my message and I kept walking back and there was a guitar pedal just like this. And I tripped over the guitar pedal. And when I say tripped, I don't just mean I stumbled a little bit. I mean, I went over. I was so embarrassed. I was so humiliated. And I said to them, let's just keep this between ourselves. I was having a couple of English breakfast tea afterwards with the pastor. He got out his phone and he said, look at this. He had put the video online on his Instagram. Not only that, he had put some music to it and some backing graphics to make it even more funny. I was so humiliated. Would you like to see the video? First time that's ever happened ever. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to keep that a secret if you are. <laughs> There's my epic fail. Thank you, thank you. The reason I tell you this is because the moment he did it, I was so embarrassed. I wanted to call my wife and explain before she saw it. But I said to him, I'm like, send me the video. And I decided to put it on my own social media. And the moment I put it on my own social media, something changed. I was set free of the embarrassment and the humiliation. I was not bothered about my failure. In fact, I laughed at it. And so often we're embarrassed about our failures. We're humiliated about our failures. But truly when we give them to God, when we own our failures, he can use those failures. Like I have learned from that moment. Every time I walk up in every platform, I'm like, yep, guitar pedal, great. <laughs> I learn from every experience. But I'm not going to allow that failure to stop me doing what I feel God has called me to do. Everything God has for you is on the other side of fear. And for many of us, fear has stopped us from stepping out into what he is calling us to. Failure is stopping us. What happens is our failure becomes part of our identity. We get divorced and we think, that's it, I'm a divorcee. We don't have a job, that's it, I'm unemployed. I was an addict, oh yeah, that's me, I'm, I'm an addict now. No, no, those aren't your identities. Your identity is that you're son and daughter of the Most High. Your failure is not meant to be part of who you are. Failure is meant to be like a bruise, not a tattoo. It's with you for a moment, not for life. Who are we? We are in Christ. And because he is victorious, we are victorious. Because he is triumphant, we are triumphant. Because he is a conqueror, we are more than conquerors today. And for some of you, God wants to meet you right where you are today. And he wants to let you know that the past is the past. We learn from it, but we're not going to live in it. Today is a new day. And from heaven, we're going to pray that his supernatural power enables us to be bold and brave, confident and courageous, not by our strength or ability, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we could just stand to our feet right where we are.